Right. Uh, we want to go on with the book of Leviticus. We're going to try to finish that up tonight. That's my plan to do so. And um, is there anybody that needs a, a page or two? All right. This is the book of Leviticus. I have just a few here. Okay. No, that's 11 to... No, that's Sunday school, sister. That's the one, yes. You're, you're good, all right? It should be 11, 12, and 13, okay? Every, I know it. I'm not trying to make it cumbersome. I'm just trying to make it where you can go back and look stuff up. I, I hope it makes you a little thirsty to see what's in your Bible, you know? I know this is a New Testament church. I understand that. And uh, I know that all the Bible is for us, just not all of it was written to us. And I get that, but Romans 15 and verse 4 says, Knowing this, knowing this, that the things that were written aforetime, that's the Old Testament. Knowing this, that the things that were written aforetime were for our learning. You know, a New Testament Christian should be well versed in his Old Testament as well. That they were there for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. Because as God was faithful to the Old Testament saints, so too He will be faithful to us in our time frame. Amen? And so I, I, I hope that you will take advantage of these things, all right? But the book of Leviticus, if you'll find your way there, we've talked about, we already talked about the setting of the book. They'd just come out of Egypt and, and uh, now they had been redeemed, if you will, by blood and by power. In, from, through the book of Exodus, they had the instructions for the tabernacle and so forth. And now they were going to have to, they were going to be learning some new things about walking with God and, and what that was going to be entailing, worshiping God and what that was going to require of them. And so, uh, they, they had a, they had a new position and, and a new purpose. All right, that they were to be a holy people and they were to be, they were to follow him. They were going to be his people and he was going to be their God. And they agreed to that. When Moses brought the law down, he had that blood right there. He sprinkled it on the book and he sprinkled it on them. And they said, Moses, everything the Lord has said, we're going to do and be obedient. And the Lord immediately gives him the, the, uh, the blueprint then for the tabernacle because God knew something that they didn't. And that's true still today, you know, uh, about us. And, and what did he know? He knew that they couldn't do those things, that they thought they could. And so the ground of their fellowship then was going to be based upon sacrifice because the final sacrifice wasn't in the picture yet. And so they were using the blood of bulls and goats and, you know, they had the meat offering, which was actually flour, very fine flour and so forth with no leaven in it. They had the bullock if you were wealthy. They had a lamb if you were middle class. They had turtle doves if you were poor. You had something that you could bring, something that fit everyone's economy to deal with the transgressions, to deal with their sin. And so the tabernacle... The people gave of what they had. They put all those things together. All that was there to maintain fellowship with the holy God. It was the bridge, if you will, between a holy God and sinful men. And who's that bridge today? That's the Lord Jesus. Amen. He is the bridge. 
and uh, that joins. That's why the Bible says of him, he was the chief cornerstone. A cornerstone brings two things together. It's what binds it together. It's what holds it together. It's, kind of, it's a pivotal piece in the construction of that building. And, uh, and so the ground of fellowship was sacrifice. And so now that, that walk of fellowship, and we talked about those things, the sweet savor offerings, the non-sweet savor, we looked at those things. Those were all pictures of the Lord Jesus in what they did. He, he, like we know about that first one, that burnt offering, it was a voluntary thing, you know. And uh, the Lord Jesus, they didn't have to hunt him down and he wasn't hiding out behind some celestial body up there where they, well, uh, the Father won't be able to find me. I'm over here. No, he didn't do that. They didn't have to search through heaven. Amen. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And uh, he knew what his job was and he said, sacrifice and offering in the book of Hebrews, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. And so the Lord knew, he knew what was coming. And, uh, and so he did that. And so now the ground of fellowship, and now we're going to talk about the walk of fellowship. There were some things that were going to be, uh, what's the word I want to say? Some things that were going to be necessary for the Old Testament saints in those days, if they were going to get along, uh, if they were going to get along. So go to the book of Leviticus and look in chapter 18. Look in chapter 18, all right? Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus. And I think it was Brother Brent that smartly said that when he was in his Bible, it was on page such and such and such and such. Mine's page 100, and, well, that's Leviticus 3. Leviticus 18 is where I want you to go. And uh, my Leviticus 18 starts, Brother Brent, on uh, page 165. If you have a real Bible, that's where it is. <laughs> uh, I'm picking at you, but it is 165. <laughs> God must have. And so... Um, so Leviticus 18, you know, and, and the Lord is going to be, he's going to be, you know, can somebody tell me what is a euphemism? Brother Mark? You know, it's, uh, euphemisms are, could be attached to the word guile. Children speak with no guile, right? If you're old, they'll tell you, hey, Grandpa, you're old. Or if you're fat, Grandpa, you're fat, you know. That, that, why? They're, they're, they, they, don't, they, don't, you know, they don't have anything that has uh, smoothed the edges of anything. They just come out with it, right? And uh, Or if you're bald or whatever it might be, they laugh, oh, you know. I remember Brian was like four years old and we had to go to, he had to go to a clinic with his mom at the Air Force Base there in Alaska, and they walked past this guy, and he was, I mean, he sort of looked like a BB with legs. And he was in the clinic, and, and he had a uniform on. You know, he looked like one of those M&M characters, all right, if that'll help you. And uh, and so uh, Brian, when, when Brian walked by him, and Brian was a little bit, he felt, I mean, little. And he looked at it, he laughed, and he said, Mama, that, that man's too short. <laughs> you know, they just speak out. And, uh, and so they don't, they don't have, and, and you know what? God doesn't use euphemisms. He just puts it out there. He says what he means and he means what he says. And, uh, 
And so here Leviticus 18, he deals with a topic that, um, you know, that needs to be dealt with and, uh, and it's, it has to do with the topic of fornication. And, and he's very specific about things. The Lord is about this. Uh, notice what he says. Look at verse six. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. So right away, there is a prohibition on incest. And rightfully so. And, uh, and so, uh, here, He's going, he's going to detail some things and you say, well, all these things really are really all about the home. Notice what it says. Uh, and I'm not going to read every verse, but the, but the nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou not uncover. The, the nakedness of thy sister, uh, whether she be born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness shalt thou not uncover. The nakedness of thy son's daughter or thy daughter's daughter. The nakedness of thy father's wife's daughter. Be, I mean, all these things have to do with things that occur within the home. Now, why do you suppose that is? Just hazard a guess. Why do you suppose it is? I I will tell you why I think it is. You know... A place, the place that ought, the one place that ought to be safe on the planet for you is your home. And oftentimes it's in the home where we sort of let our guard down. Y'all with me? And this is what happens sometimes. And so because the home is the seed plot where these things stem from. And, you know, it's mentioned here in Leviticus 18, but it was also a problem in 1 Corinthians, wasn't it? Do you remember there in 1 Corinthians 5, what did he say? Man, Paul said, you know, your glorying in this thing is not good. It's not right for a man to have his father's wife. It was his stepmother. That was a problem, and the church wasn't dealing with it, and they had to deal with it. And Paul said, I've already judged on this thing. We're going to put him out of the church, and they did. For what purpose? For the, for the sacrifice of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of redemption. They put him out and the young man repented. And then 2 Corinthians is about, hey, he, he got right. Now you need to forgive him. There was a lesson in there for the church in that. But here this topic is mentioned and, uh, and all this is brought about because, um, because of what, what happens uh, here and all these things are mentioned, even the neighbor and so forth. No, look at verse 24. Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. The Lord basically said, you know, if you do these things, I'm, the land's going to vomit you out just like it spewed them out. That's why they, that's why they got the land. That's why God dealt with those nations and they go in there is because this was rampant in, this was rampant in the, in the land. And God wanted it out because it was an unholy thing. I mean, you know, what is the, how does the scriptures refer to the Syrophoenician woman? You remember when Jesus is there dealing with her and she's got a daughter that's sick and she's pleading with him. The disciples try to keep her away and she's asking him about this and he says, Ma'am, he said, it's not meat for me to give bread 
to dogs. All right. And she said, yeah, but we'll just take, we'll be, I'd be happy with just the crumbs from the table. I don't have to have the whole loaf. And basically the Lord's like, what am I going to do with that faith, you know? And so what, when he called her dogs, he was describing us. And so what, what is it that dogs do? They eat, sleep, and fornicate. That's what dogs do. That's what Gentiles do. And so the Lord is very pointed about this. And, uh, and it's carried over even to the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians. And then in the book of Acts, what, what things? You need to stay away from things that are strangled, stay away from things that have the blood, and abstain from fornication. He said, if you do everything else, you'll be all right if you do these things. So there are some things that, yes, they happened under the law, but they still carried over into the dispensation of grace. What was an abomination in the Old Testament is still an abomination today. So God hasn't changed his mind about these things. As a matter of fact, it's become more stringent, right? And just now, just uh, life under grace, it really is some ways is, is tighter in that just for you to think about killing your neighbor, you're guilty of murder. Just to you thinking about your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's husband, you're guilty of adultery, though you never lay your hand on them. Y'all with me? So God was very specific about this because, I mean, he had seen what was in the old nature, the fallen nature of men. So he outlines this here and, uh, and is very detailed about it. He said, look at verse 27. For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled, that the land spew not you out also when ye defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. And so there's a stern warning that's here. Don't do these things, all right? And so so he addresses that right off the top. And then there's penalties here for disobedience and so forth. And you can look at these things. There were regulations for the priests. There was there were some there were some requirements about this, all right? And um that if you were gonna if you were gonna work in the priesthood that, that there had to be certain things that, and practices. Some were prohibited. Some things had to be maintained. They had guidelines for the conduct of their children. All these things are contained here in chapter 21 uh, and so forth. I mean, like verse 7, thou shalt not... Look in, look in chapter 21, look in verse 7. Thou shalt not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband, for he is holy unto his God. And so forth. All right. So, the, so the Lord is very, very specific about these things. And even, it, 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 and even if that priest, if you will, had a problem with him physically, look what it says. Look, look in, look in verse sixteen, chapter twenty-one. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. So, let me see. Let me look at y'all. Well, all right. Notice what it says. Uh, how, how many of y'all... <laughs> I'm looking around. Y'all look up at me. Brother Mark, no, you don't have one. You don't have... I'm looking for, I'm looking for a man in here with a flat nose. <laughs> you know, some of y'all look like your mama pulled on it, and others look like their mama pushed on it when they were little, all right? But if you had a flat nose, you couldn't, I suspect maybe that might have been like a broken nose or something. Couldn't be, you know, it couldn't have, it couldn't have a curve in the end. 
And uh, if he hath any blemish, a blind man. So a priest couldn't be a blind man. I mean, he might have a heart after God, but his eyes, it kept him, kept him from being able to be used. Or a lame, or he that had a flat nose, or anything superfluous. If something is superfluous, what is it? It's superficial. It's just something out here. So, you know, if he was blind, you know, like, if you had, they didn't have glasses back then. So, uh, so that couldn't be a thing, but you couldn't be bald. Uh-oh. Me and Brother Johnny, we're in trouble. <laughs> All right. Now, no, no, I was going to say he's bald on purpose. No, but on top, I can see that. Well, you know, you know what that is, Brother Johnny? God made a few perfect heads, and on the rest of them, he put hair. So, anyway. <laughs> Trying to cover that mess up, brother. That's what he's doing. So, so you know, the Lord had reasons for all these things. And uh, there, there, there couldn't be anything imperfect. In other words, you know, how was the offering supposed to be? Could you go in there with a lame? Could you go in there with a, with a sickly sheep or a sickly bullock? Could you do that and offer that and God be pleased with it? No, you couldn't. So the offer had to be right and the, I'm talking about priest-wise, had to be right as well as the offering had to be right. And so it just has to do with the holiness of God that He is perfect. And that's hard for us, you know, because, because we're all in the age of everybody gets a trophy. There are no losers. Everybody's winners. Do you follow what I'm saying? And that's just not how it is. You know, we're all equal in value in here, and God has given... Uh, some of us in here, uh, different talents and different things. I mean, gosh, you know, I, 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 you know, some of you all possess skills, trades, and the like, and abilities, and we're not all the same in that. Not all going to be that way. That's just life, you know. And uh, and so, uh, but the Lord. You know, put these things together and these prohibitions about marriage and, and, uh, and certain persons that couldn't go in there. You couldn't have a crooked back. You couldn't be a dwarf. Man, if somebody saw that today, they'd say, well, that's not very politically correct. That's not nice. You might, you might say, uh, what do you call them, little people now? You can't use the word midget, right? They don't do that on the airlines, do they, sis? All right, all, all midgets come up here for assisted loading. Let's go ahead and get you on first. They don't do that, do they? <laughs> uh, no, we don't. But the Lord had certain requirements. You know what? It's His economy. It was His system. He's the one who gets to dictate how it's going to be. All right? And uh, and so, so a blemished priest could not enter into the veil, could not do it, because there things had to be perfect. And hence, it's just it's just a further extension of the Lord Jesus through his through his death and his resurrection. He was able to enter into the veil in the heavenlies. Perfect. Perfect. And do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so, um, 
So there's some wonderful things here. And again, this the ground of fellowship was sacrifice, and the walk of fellowship is this separation. And God was separating them out, calling out a holy people. It was a part of their purpose that they were to learn. And God has called us out, right? Be a separate and touch not the unclean thing. God wants us to be separated from some things. It doesn't make us better than anybody else that's out here, but it just doesn't want us to be influenced by what's out here. You see, because he knew those things weren't going to... Even some of the dietary laws, you get to the book of Deuteronomy, I get a little ahead of myself, even some of those dietary laws had to do with preventing spoilage. What happens if you eat a bad piece of meat? Man, you can get sick. Salmonella, botulism, these things that are out there, and God knew that. So to protect them, he prohibited them from some things because they didn't have refrigeration. They, you know, they didn't have those things. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, who knows what the dark ages were? I'm making y'all come in here and do a mental push-up. I know it. Say, Brother Ed, it's Wednesday night. I've been working. I'm tired. I know it. So I'm not asking you to move your arms. I just want you to move your brain on the inside. All right? That was around 900 A.D. to about 1200, right? About 300 years. And, and it's also the time of the plague. Did you know that? The bubonic, the black plague. They got from rats and fleas and so forth. And, uh, and so it was called the Dark Ages because in a lot of places, writing stopped. Reading stopped. Everything was sort of hemmed up by the Catholic priests of the day. The Bible in Latin sort of went away from men. And it wasn't until that they went to the Middle East, it wasn't until there that when the Crusades were taking place during this time, that they saw all the washings and all the things that the, that the Jews were doing, that they had been taught part of all the things that they were doing with in, in, in being hygienic. You know, because these guys that came out for the Crusades, you know, like you took a bath maybe... Maybe in the spring, but certainly not in the wintertime, man. You'd catch a draft and you'd die or whatever, you know. Bathing was not on the top list of things for personal hygiene. And so the plague and all, it wasn't until they came back from there with some of that knowledge that they were to impart and apply in Europe and it helped to stop the plague, the advancement of that. And so... um, So God just had a way of doing things. It was intended for their good as well as for our good. The Lord's not trying to take fun away from us or, if you will, pleasures, if you will, but rather, but He knows in the final analysis what some of those things can bring and do. And And therefore, He keeps us, wants to keep that, keep us from those things that we might not suffer through those pollutions, all right? And so then there are going to be some feast days. There are some annual feast days as far as the worship is concerned. Go over to Leviticus 23. It's where where these begin. Any questions about some of these prohibitions and so forth, some of these regulations for the people and some of the things for the priest? But here in chapter 23 is where you, you have the beginnings of all these feast days that were to be observed annually, okay? Just like on the day of Pentecost, when Pentecost came around, 
uh, when Peter got up and preached that day and 3,000 souls were saved, that wasn't the first time that Pentecost was observed. It had been observed ever since it was instituted here. So having Pentecost was a common thing. They would, they would go to Jerusalem for that and observe that 50 days after the Passover. But all of these things speak about, if you will, a certain aspect of the Lord Jesus. All these feast days. And again, I'm going to say the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament in many ways is the Old Testament revealed. And, uh, and what is it doing? He, these things were here. And this is the reason why that the idea of the church and so forth was a mystery. These Old Testament prophets and, the, and the, if you will, the Old Testament saints, they didn't have a clue about the church because it was hidden in the mind of God. And, Paul, and God used the Apostle Paul to introduce a topic that was very, very controversial, that Jews and Gentiles were now going to be, have been made one. In one person of Christ. Even though, even though in the book of Isaiah, the Lord Jesus is spoken of and the Lord's servant is going to be a light unto the Gentiles. Even though we were mentioned in the Old Testament, the idea of them being in one body was not. That's why, man, you know, when a Jew got upset, what would he do? If he got upset, what would he do? Y'all need to go back and read the book of Acts. You know what he would do? He would rent his clothes. That doesn't mean he, he, he went to the local tailor and rented them. If you rent something, what are you doing with it? You tore it. He'd give it there. <laughs> he was so upset, man, rather than put his fist through the wall, <laughs> just went through his clothes like that. So angry was he. They rent their clothes. The Lord Jesus might make a statement. They would rent their clothes. Why? It was just beyond their mind. Blasphemous, they thought. And, uh, and so the Lord has put these things together. And so these annual feasts, if you will, they are set. And if you look on your paper, you can see the time frame of when these occur. Some are this month, some are May, some are in September. Now, the, now why is it that Easter is, uh, all, you notice it's always different every year? Sometimes it's in March. When is Easter this year? April, all right? So sometimes it's in March and sometimes it's in April. Why, why is that, do you suppose? You ever wonder why that is? <laughs> do you all wonder much about stuff? <laughs> or you just, you just get up, go to work, do your job, come home? It's connected to the Passover, right? It is, all right? And uh, but But part of it has to do with like uh, we just observe, it was just observed this past a week ago was Ash Wednesday, right? That's the first day of Lent, that first day after Mardi Gras, which is Fat Tuesday. All right, they've got days for they got names for each of the days of the weeks, like Mardi Gras, and there's another one for Monday. That's just the mo- that's just the most common one that they talk about Mardi Gras. And, uh, you know, and they do that. You know why they do that? At that part of that has to do with it because they run on, a, on the uh, Gregorian calendar. The Jews run on a lunar calendar. The Catholic Church runs on a different one. And, and so 
it has to do with that Mardi Gras, that Fat Tuesday is going to be before that moon on Wednesday of Ash Wednesday or, or that night because when the bell rings at midnight in New Orleans, what, what happens? I'm, now, I'm not going to hold against you if you've ever been. Uh, I've never been to Mardi Gras. Have I been to New Orleans? Absolutely. I've been there. I don't pass up a good cup of coffee. At uh, Somebody's nodding their head up and down. They've been over there at the, at the Cafe du Monde. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, eat some beignets and good coffee. But I, I made sure I went back to my room about 4.30 in the afternoon because there's a whole different population comes out at night. But what happens at midnight is that the cops come on horseback and they literally drive everybody off of the street. Whatever was going on shuts down because at midnight, that's Wednesday, now begins Lent. And they enforce that from the Catholic Church and it shuts business down. Everybody's got to get off. And they clean up the streets overnight. And, uh, and it has to do with being able to walk moonlight to the church so you can begin Ash Wednesday. Because that's how they would do it. That's how the priests would do it. They would, the people would go and they would walk at night on that Wednesday. The chapel bells would be ringing and that's where they would go to Mass and start Lent. There's, there's so much stuff of what we do is all under the influence of Catholicism, still yet in our land. And so, um, and so these, these feast days and so forth, as they were observed here, um, it tells us as to when, look, look, in, look in chapter 23. Are you all still with me? I've got just a couple of minutes left, all right? Notice what it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, say to them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. And he's going to talk about the six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It's the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These, so he's, he's setting apart that seventh day here, if you will, as that day of rest. And these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons, in the fourteenth day of the first month. Well, when did they get the first month? Back in the book of Exodus, the Lord said, okay, this is going to be the beginning of months for you. They were going to observe the Passover. All right? And so on that fourteenth day of that month, they were going to observe Passover. It's not, you know... It's Passover. Now, we celebrate, or I say celebrate, that's not the right word. Uh, on the calendar, if you get it, it's called Easter. All right? And, I, and I'm not trying to dampen you and what you do if you hide eggs. I don't care. If you, know, if you want to eat candy, eat candy every day of the week. All right? 365 days. Some people are naughty. Yes, we do that already, brother. And, uh, but the word Easter is... is, is uh, taken from the word Ashtaroth, Astart, which was a heathen goddess. All right? She's referred to as the Queen of Heaven. Who also has that name? Who? Mary, called the Queen of Heaven. All right? All this stuff, it's tied together. It's tied together. And so, uh, and so the Passover is observed, all right? And that's a picture of our salvation. That's, 
you know, when, when uh, the Lord Jesus going to Calvary, dying, and, uh, and then immediately starts the unleavened bread. That's a picture of the Lord Jesus in His perfection, His body. When we observe the Lord's Supper, what kind of bread do we use? Unleavened bread. It, ha- it has no leavening in it. It has no yeast in it. It has no bacteria. It's unleavened bread. Symbolic of that of his body that had no no sin that he was it was a sinless offering, and uh, and so like I think it's interesting you know they they like we hunt when I was little we hunted Easter eggs have I put them out for my grand my kids and my yes I have we put them out you know for to, in my mind it's just like meats offered unto idols I don't I don't think of that as being idolatrous it's a way we can have Egg salad, all right? Um, where was I going with that? But um, it'll come back to me. But the, but the, uh, the unleavened bread here is given in, this, in, in light of... Oh, I know what it was. For a, for a Jewish family, they go through... We, you know, you hide the eggs, the kids hunt for the eggs, right? In a Jewish family, those that still practice these things... What they go through, and the family there, they hide little balls of leaven. And for the children, what they do, they go through and they look in all the different places, and they're they're getting the leaven out of their house. And they find the little balls of leaven. It's a game for them, like it is for our children or grandchildren, wherever you might be. And if you don't observe, that's fine too. All right? And uh, and so, but that's what they do, and it's this getting out of the leaven, because it would, these are the days of unleavened bread. All right, and then you have first fruits, and and this is what I love about this: the 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 first fruits had to do with the harvest a little bit here about pulling up these or getting these um, a portion of the coming harvest that is to be, and it's a picture of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, where it says, and many of the bodies of them that slept. Because you've got to keep in mind, resurrections don't have anything to do with souls. Resurrections have to do only with bodies. And it says many of the bodies. It didn't say all of them. But he was the first fruits. He got up first. Then many of them got up also. All right? Many, not all. And so it's the first fruit. In other words, as this is sort of like the down payment of what's going to be coming. And, uh, and so you find him in each of these things. The Feast of Pentecost has to do with filling. The Lord Jesus was full of the Spirit without measure. And uh, the Feast of Trumpets and Day of Atonement, that like, like the rapture here, the Day of Atonement and so forth. All right, The gathering, the transition where that debt has been paid. And that happens in the fall and so forth. And, uh, and so then, like the Feast of Tabernacles about heaven, they were dwelling in booths. You can go back and look at these things, and these are all pictures of different aspects of what the Lord Jesus has done and is a, a symbolic. And yet, you know, when they're doing this, you know, how many of you all have ever just gone to the store and you bought matzahs? You bought the unleavened bread. Okay. 
Y'all are so fuddy-duddies. You don't wonder about things, you don't read books, and you don't buy matzahs. But you do hide eggs. Boy, y'all are in bad shape. <laughs> How, do you, you've made unleavened bread, all right? Yeah, we, Debbie has a recipe. We used to make it. Uh, do what, sister? We eat crackers, all right. Well, that's nice, but those, but those have leaven. You, she's a heathen, brother. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give this to you, then I'm going to let you go. Anyway, you ought to buy a box of them. Cost you three or four dollars. You ought to look at them sometime. And what's interesting about them, when they have, how many of y'all have ever attended a Passover Seder? Was it interesting, sister? And all those things, the Seder is the Passover meal that they observe, like the bitter herbs and so forth, eat it in haste. And uh, and one of the things that they'll have there is they will have matzahs with it. And those matzahs, actually, the way that they are prepared, they have a bunch of holes in it. And the matzahs have stripes from the way that they were baked. And in other words, that they're handling things that that are all pictures of him. He was without sin. It's unleavened. By his stripes we are healed. He was pierced. And they take that and they hide part of that. You know, as if, in other words, speaking about a future return or coming, and they get it and they bring it back. And, and, uh, and they do it all the time. They handle all these things and they are all pictures of, of our great Savior. And yet the scripture says in the book of Romans that there's a spirit of blindness about them. They handle it, they see it, they partake of it, but they don't see it. It's amazing. And uh, and so those Jews, those Orthodox Jews that still practice all these things and everything has to be kosher and, and so forth. Uh, there was a, there was a doctor at Kingwood, and I'm going to let you all go. There was a doctor at Kingwood, and his name was Lipinski. Dr. Lipinski. And Dr. Lipinski was a, a flight surgeon in the Israeli, Army, uh, Israeli Air Force, not in the Army. And so he migrated back and forth. He would spend some time here in the States, work in the hospital, and then he would go back to Israel where he was a flight surgeon. A flight surgeon is someone who has their wings. They can fly, but they're also a doctor. And so they, they do a lot of the physiological training and so forth about what happens to the body when you're in flight. The G-forces and the pressures and all the things, they, look, they, they do part of that. But, but he's a flight surgeon, so I mean, he, I mean he's, he's a brilliant guy. But anyway, but he's able to go back and forth between and so, and I, I told him that I had done my DNA, and I found out that I have a, a, a small percentage of Ashkenazi Jewish, you know, in in my DNA. And uh, and there was another doctor there from New York City. His name was Kornhauser, and uh, and I told him. He said, "Man," he said, "Welcome to the family," <laughs> you know. And so and then so Doctor Lipinski heard about it, and so he came up to me and he greeted me, man, hugged me, and then said, "Hey." I have some chocolate. I want to share some chocolate with you. And so he, t- he said, it's kosher. It'll be, you know, but that was his deal, you know, because he, when he was at work, he wore the yarmulke, you know. And so, um, 
But it's just interesting. These that are practical, they, they handle all these things. But they just, they got eyes, but they can't see. It, 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 it's amazing. And so, man, you know, um, if you have an opportunity, if you're going to deal with, if you're going to deal with a Jew, you got to talk to him from the Old Testament. You got to be able. And Paul, remember when Paul reasoned with him out of the Scriptures, he didn't have a little New Testament in his back pocket. He reasoned with him out of the Old Testament, showing them, convincing them that Jesus was the Christ. And you can do it. It can be done. And so, um, but the Lord had these things that our fellowship might not ever be broken. And for us to enjoy these things, celebrate these things. And that's why when we, when we observe Resurrection Day or whatever, I mean, you know, we talk about the Lord's Day. It's the Lord's Day every day as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, but we observe, we observe the Lord's Supper on that day. Man, we're celebrating around that table of remembrance of what He did for us. Certainly things that we couldn't do for ourselves. And so those offerings, those symbols have great meaning for us. They don't have life, but they have great meaning for us as we observe them and we remember. But they were participating in these things and they were to do them once a year and, uh, and to not let those days go by. And that's, that's why part of the reason Romans 14 is that some people observe days. Jews and Gentiles were coming together in, in this New Testament bodies. Some of those Jews, they held to some of those days. Those days meant something. And these heathen Gentiles that had placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those days didn't mean anything to them. So that's why Paul said, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He was trying to find some common ground there between those believers. Because we all come with, well, I was raised this way, I was reared this way, and blah, blah, blah. You know, we all come with that. So any questions about this? Clear? Yes, sir. Okay. I believe you. I I don't, brother, I, I confess to you, I don't understand much about prophecy about some things i do know like daniel's 70th week of prophecy on how all that when, but when you get over there and some of those things i i just know that the ground is going to split when he touches the mount of olives when he comes back touches it and so forth he'll be revealed but yeah but they're dwelling yes it'll be again it'll be reinstated again because there'll be some things that are different in those days will be like a resumption of some things out of the old testament that will be this dispensation of grace is a unique thing where we are right now. All right? We'll look at that next time, brother, we come back. Remind me about that. All right? Lord willing, we'll do that. Any other questions? Anybody but Brother Mark? All right, good. <laughs> That's right, it wasn't. Uh, uh, all right, I appreciate y'all's participation. It's like being at the dentist. I had to pull teeth. But... uh Y'all ready? All right, well, let's pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful word of God and for our great high priest. And Lord, how you did things, Father, all in an effort to show us the Savior. Thank you, Lord, for dealing with our hearts when we were lost and dealing with them today and when we've been found and saved and are your children. And Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, these dear saints, or they might grow a hunger and a thirst, Lord, 
for truth and to study their Bibles. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You can take your papers home.